coffee roasters open in Pioneer Square in South Lake Union for takeout and soon indoor seating. Order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. If you're looking for a place to live in the fall with student-friendly amenities, spectacular views, and it's walking distance to campus, check out the M Seattle. They're the only student living high-rise near UW, and they've recently dropped the rates on all their floor, pa- floor plans. Visit themseattle.com for more info. Hi, I'm Ella Torrance. And I'm Molly Anders, and you're listening to Dig Deeper, a deep dive into the psychological explanations of social experiences, everyday struggles, and philosophical perspectives. So for this week's episode, we're going to talk about cults, um, what makes a group a cult, uh, when people are the most susceptible to joining a cult, and how cult leaders convince their followers to do terrible things. So I think the first, like big thing about cults is that cults don't say that they are cults and people in cults don't think that they're in cults cult comes from the latin word cultus which means to cultivate i guess or to till um which basically so the definition would be like sacrifices rituals monuments basically cultivated for gods like sacrifices for gods or some sort of higher power which I mean, gives it a very loose definition. Yeah, because of that, cults exist in almost every country around the world. Um, So to give like a brief example of like one of the most famous cults, which happened in the late 1970s, and it really inspired uh, research on cults and like defining cults. So there's this guy named Jim Jones who led a group of people to this really remote jungle to create Jonestown, which is basically... Or he advertised it as, like, a utopia free of violence and racism and self-sufficient, kind of like a commune. Which sounds really great. Right. It seems like something I'd love to be a part of. Yeah. But basically, over time, so they had this commune cultish group of people, and over time, concern rose about them using mind, like, mind programming techniques, which... um, Yeah, so people would, like, contact their families back home or whatever. There was some sort of, like communication between the inside and outside world and there were became or and residents began to report mass like fake mass suicides performed like to condition them for the jones cause like basically to normalize like killing yourself for jim jones this leader of i guess this cult and then another really creepy thing about this community is that this congressman uh this California congressman, Leo Ryan, he flew to their cult in this remote jungle, um, I think, yeah, in some part of California, and then he never returned. And basically after that, things only got worse, and Jim Jones is basically saying to people, like, it's time for us to meet in a better place, and if we can't live in peace, better to die in peace. And it was basically like one of the largest mass murder suicides in history. Like a thousand people were dead because they did this big group poisoning thing with potassium cyanide, um, which, yeah, like I said, really motivated people to start studying cults and, like, to recognize what is a cult and what isn't a cult and how they're so influential. That was probably so shocking for everybody that didn't necessarily realize what was going on and then just seeing, like, this giant mass suicide. (laughs) 
So there's kind of three characteristics um, that define a cult. These are the group needs to have a very charismatic leader. There's some form of indoctrination program, so like mind control. And then there's also exploitation of the followers. And this can be financial exploitation. This can be sexual, just depending on the leader's motives. There's actually kind of a problem with this definition because it's more of a value judgment than an objective definition because most leaders of major religious groups could be called cult leaders by this definition, but people don't call them cult leaders because of how they view that religion versus how they view a cult. And I guess the difference would just be that a movement becomes a cult when the leader's manipulation becomes destructive or deadly, like how we were talking about the mass suicide. If the leader's intentions are negative and explicitory, then that's when it could be considered a, a cult and not a religion. So one that I'm sure many people have already heard of, it's a pretty famous one, is Charles Manson. He convinced followers to murder people and I think nine people in total were murdered um and he did this again through manipulation and being such a charismatic leader that his followers trusted him so much that they would kill people for him another cult that is pretty well known is um Marshall Applewhite of Heaven's Gate and um, Marshall convinced his followers to castrate and kill themselves in an effort to ascend into another evolutionary level or a, a higher place. Given like the history of cults, they really have existed throughout time. Um, but when you really think about it, most cults arise in like turbulent times. So if you think about like Europe during the Renaissance or India during like colonization and in India's transition to uh, agriculture, those are really the most popular times for cults to grow because it was these times when like the government was in disarray and there was a lot of turmoil within the countries and so people needed something to believe in. So if you look throughout time like even think about when jesus rose there are all of these religious movements or cult movements that stem from people losing faith in the government or in whatever religion they were part of before and it makes them susceptible to i guess these extremists and this is really tied with um politics like the turmoils of the times are often in line with political insecurities so often when there's political openings there's also religious openings and this is seen um this is seen to be really taken advantage of when america was first starting to be founded and american colonies developed this reputation of accepting religious extremists so the idea of religious tolerance in america made it super susceptible to all this manipulation and cult leaders would take advantage of that and um, create all this extremist groups so basically if you look throughout history at america there's places where cults are more likely to occur. So in this section of land between Albany to Buffalo, we call this the burned out district. And it's basically the birth birthplace of Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, even like spiritualism. 
and throughout time this pattern of religion kind of growing and cultivating in this certain place continued throughout time all the way to um, another famous example would be in New York City in the 30s or the 1930s. Um, this guy who called himself Father Divine claimed to be God on Earth, and he was followed by tens of thousands of people. And he actually later inspired Jim Jones, who we talked about earlier. And he was influential in the construction of the civil rights movement. So like the protest campaigns um, by followers who were politically fighting for civil rights. Um, So when you think about this time, you see this lack of civil rights and this new era of social uplift, followed by um, racial violence and political assassinations, the Vietnam War, all of this really um, politically driven stuff. And there is this drastic decrease in trust in the government, um, which I think allowed for an increase in trust in religion because people need something to believe in and yeah especially if you're thinking about like the political violence like the assassination of jfk and like and like this fear of like nuclear bombs like people are scared and they need something to to believe in to hold them to some sort of stability and if they feel unsafe turning to the government then they have to turn to something else exactly so the power of cults comes from this like appealing original me- message like what we talked about earlier with Jim Jones it was like this idea of starting this new society that was self-sufficient and free of racism and violence um and so it's not necessarily that this initial message that's presented to people is negative it's just that this idealism starts to slide into authoritarianism as the cult following progresses Also, that's kind of the idea of if you give someone too much power, they can often um, take it in a really negative direction. So maybe if these cults were originally started with good intentions, a lot of them aren't started with good intentions, but if they were started with good intentions, um, this kind of power can really, really easily translate into authoritarianism. So before we continue, we just have another quick message from our sponsors. Open since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high-quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and a joy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source, source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make a truly exceptional cup of coffee and experience you look forward to every day. Cafes in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union open now for takeout and soon dine-in services. Please use the code PODCAST at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 15% off your next coffee order. Okay. So let's move on to the psychology of our episode um, and let's talk about how cult leaders assert their control within a group. Yeah, so a lot of times cults focus on people who they think could easily join the cult. So these elements of indoctrination um, often happen at a crossroad in someone's life. So when they're in a very vulnerable state 
in their life. This vulnerability can mean that they're very easily manipulated because they don't really have any direction or confidence in where they're currently at. So basically the first step of like convincing someone to join a cult would be like the soft sell, like this um, initial message that people follow. Um, So it convinces you to like go to a first meeting, to go to a meditation service or some sort of retreat. And then from there, they kind of start to push their more um, extremist views on you. Yeah. And then from there, it's really important to um, isolate that person and have and make sure that they have no outside influences to um, counteract what they were taught in that soft sell. So this is basically a an intentional creation of a new reality for this person where the cult and all their beliefs is all that they know and all that it is important to them. Then from there, basically to kind of hook people in, um, their most like your most important relationship, as someone in the cult becomes your relationship with the cult leader. Um, so basically, they're the only person that can bring you happiness or true enlightenment. They're like God or they're like a um, figure representing God. And then there's also a creation of the external enemy. And this is basically villainizing everything that isn't the cult. So like they talk about what would happen if you left the group and... Um, how terrible it would be, and this brings you closer to the cult leader as they are the only people who can protect and save you from this terrible outside world. Which, again, kind of draws back to, like, being in a state of political unrest. Like, a lot of the time, this bad guy or enemy is, like, the government or whatever sort of force people are reckoning with. Um, And then maybe one of the most important steps is peer pressure, So it really plays off of, like, humans' desire to be a part of a group and to be accepted. And, like, there have have been a lot of studies that show that peer pressure, like, it really does work and it overrides your perception of reality um, because it's a really strong, (laughs) a strong force. It's, like, this pressure to kind of conform to the group. And a lot of times, like, in the internet, I guess, for example, there's kind of this echo chamber of information that convinces you to believe something or makes you think that something is normal when it's not or whatever and I feel like that is kind of the most important part about I don't know like a good cult like a successful cult would be like having this group of people that's really reinforcing these beliefs and making you feel like they're normal even if outside of this shell or this group it's I don't know it's not yeah and because like if you join a, join a cult you have a really um strong state of cognitive dissonance where you are just so focused on the cult and this is really um amplified by an often very sociopathic and narcissistic leader and basically you will follow anything that this person says into really really extreme circumstances and since they are so narcissistic they often um pose points of like if i'm dying you're going to die too Ooh, yeah that is spooky um and even spookier <laughs> kind of making this more relevant in today's world the susceptibility to cults manipulation is pretty intense especially if you think about 
I don't know, the things that I read were written a couple years ago, which makes it a little bit scarier in light of being in a pandemic and not being connected to a bunch of people all the time. But um, they kind of have been saying that we're in this state of like, a pu- they literally call it like a public health crisis that is the loneliness epidemic because people are becoming more socially isolated, I guess because of technology, um, which is kind of scary to think about given that the information was written a couple years ago and now we're literally in a global pandemic where you can't communicate with people in the same way that you could before. Um, and so you really, I don't know, like what you have is the internet, I guess, or just a few people which gives you a lot less perspective, which makes you a lot more susceptible to things like cults. And the very nature of cults being technologically driven means that they're not bound to geography. And um, to join a cult or to be a cult leader, you can spread your wings through the whole country. And these virtual communities um, can have the same impact and... uh, powerful reinforcement of ideas than if they were in person so that's just I don't know that's really scary yeah yeah and to give an example of that um, there's this youtuber whose name is Teal Swan who's been accused of being a cult leader and obviously denies it but she basically has this channel where she gives really controversial advice about loneliness and depression and it targets people who are already vulnerable to those things And I think maybe that population of people tends to self-isolate a little bit more and then is confronted with this weird set of information about um, depression and loneliness and this group of people. And then it's interesting when you think about it being online, like you click one thing and then it shows up everywhere. Um, So in the same way that a bunch of other members peer pressure you in like an in-person group, that same thing is maybe even more possible online. Another piece of information we found is that the Pacific region of America, which is Washington, has the most cult followers per capita. Um, So I guess maybe the biggest message is, like, cults are pretty common and a lot of people are part of what you would define as a cult and but then no one in a cult thinks that they're in a cult and no cult leader would call themselves a cult leader so (laughs) watch out you could be in a cult (laughs) Uh, that's very pessimistic (laughs) um well thank you for listening (laughs) i'm molly anders and i'm ella torrance and that was dig deeper